will be. Everybody grab your hymn books. We're glad to see you this Sunday morning. Let's all stand and sing together as Brother Ken comes to lead us. Let's all make a joyful noise. Brother Ken. Amen. In your blue song book today, you probably won't even need it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We'll sing all four verses this morning, page 244. Good to see you back there, sweetheart. Been in uh, the hospital a couple times, and she's back with us this Sunday morning. We're so glad to see her. Uh, You continue to lift her up in prayer, if you would. Pray also. Uh, I want to put a smile on your face. You'll appreciate this. As you know, a couple of weeks ago, Sister Lorene Whitlow had to have foot surgery. And uh, we learned on Wednesday night that one of the good outcomes of that surgery was Mr. Whitlow learned how to use the microwave. Well... I called her this week to let her know we were still praying for her and see if they needed anything. And, she sh- and I shared with her what uh, had been shared with us Wednesday night. And she said, Preacher, it's even better. 
I said, what's that? She said, my husband came home yesterday. He was calling everybody. I said, what happened? She said, he let everybody know that he's 85 years old and he just went to the grocery store by himself for the first time in his whole life. (laughs) And he came back with everything right. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I asked my wife if we could go to that model and I could open my eye after about three days. Amen. But uh, you continue to lift them up if you would, please. And I have a colleague that I'm going to ask you to pray for, a young lady that I hired a few months ago. Her, her name is Virginia. Her husband uh, is in Duke Hospital on a ventilator, and they're going to have to make some difficult decisions today. You pray for the family, and in fact, their son is getting married in just a couple of weeks as well. So you pray for them, if you would, the Jones family. Pray also, if you would, for Sister Kathy Cozart. Kathy was with us on our Ladies' Jubilee Retreat. And on Thursday, she stepped outside to call her husband out in the parking lot. And she came back in, tripped, and banged her face up really badly. Uh, Renee and I took her to the ER. And as we walked into the hospital, the ER technician said, Which one of y'all beat her up this badly? But uh, uh, you pray for Miss Kathy if you would. Lots of other requests. Pray also for Caleb Helbert. We put that out. He, yesterday, he successfully had a, a surgery last night. Uh, hopes to come home today after the chainsaw accident. That is, of course, uh, Mrs. Helbert. Robert's grandson and Tim's nephew, you pray for them as well. Son, I want you to open us up in prayer. Let's go to the throne room of grace this morning while James, my son, prays for us. Pray for us, buddy. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be here. Lord, we thank you for uh, setting aside, Lord, for us a day to rest and remember you. Father, we know that we gather here not because you need our praise, but because we are desperately in need of you. Father, we look in your word and over and over we see how much you come to us, not because you uh, need anything, but because we as human beings need you every moment of every day. Father, we thank you for providing uh, your son for us, Lord. We thank you for bringing us here, Lord. We thank you for the gathering of your people uh, across the world today. Father, now we merely pray that here for the next few moments that our hearts and our minds and our whole being will be focused on you and on your son and on your spirit. Father, we pray for the ability to worship you and your son and spirit and in truth today. And then, Father, most importantly, we pray that if someone here has not bowed that knee to Jesus Christ, Father, we pray that today would be their day of salvation. Father, we love you, and it's through your Son we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. If you've been saved for any length of time, you know that just when you need the Lord the most, that's when He shows up. Oftentimes, it seems like it's at the last moment, and He shows up and rescues us uh, and answers prayer in a way we never thought possible. You listen as Matthew sings, He rescues me.
many of you can say that he's always on time, in time, every time, all the time? Thank you so much. Boy, I appreciate you being here this morning, and I appreciate your faithfulness. Let me give you some quick announcements, uh, and then we'll have our little ones head out to Children's Church. First of all, choir, notice that we're pushing back practice uh, one more week, and I appreciate you working with me on that. We'll be practicing next Sunday at 445. Tonight, I think everybody knows this who's involved. We're going to meet with the speaking parts for our upcoming Christmas drama. We're going to meet here at 4 o'clock. So again, that's speaking parts only. If You'll be here tonight at 4 o'clock. Uh, and if you'll note, we have, it's hard to believe that these words are coming out of my mouth, but we've got the schedule posted in your bulletin now for our upcoming Christmas production entitled The Truth. Uh, I, 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 say, I know I say this every year, but I think you will absolutely love it. It is really, really quite special this year, and I'm excited for us to get started on it. Uh, we will give you, cast and crew, the times each week. Check back into your uh, bulletin each week, but that does give you the schedule, uh, and I think all of that's also posted as well. Will be tonight. All that will be posted tonight, so please keep that in mind if you would. Notice, if you would, also that we are uh, looking, and I, I say this to underscore it, we really could use some help with this. Uh, for this year's College Meals, Cornerstone Baptist College starts up this coming Tuesday. Uh, Renee and I are signed up for the meals for the first two weeks. And then, of course, Faith Baptist is, is taking care of this for the last half. We're splitting this in half. But we are looking for some folks, and maybe you can join together if two of you are willing to help out. Uh, uh, it looks like they're going to have a total with everybody of about 15 with instructors. And so we would appreciate you helping us with that. Meals need to be in place between 6 and 6.30. All of that's in our teen room. Uh, and again, that begins this coming Tuesday, which again, Renee and I are taking care of this one and the next one. But after that, we can sure use some assistance helping us out with that, if you would. Of course, we've got the date listed in there for our Sunday with the Wisnets and also our Civil Servant Sunday where we honor our local police officers. That one is on November the 18th. And then I'll call your attention to the wedding shower uh, that we will be doing for Lydia and for Nick uh, on Sunday, September the 9th. Now, a couple of things. You'll note that that is also moving up Sunday. So uh, uh, because it's moving up Sunday, uh, uh, all of our uh, Sunday school classes will be moving up to their respective ages. Children's Church, Junior Church will, of course, move up. So for that reason and for the fact that uh, Wayside Baptist wants to join with us in uh, the wedding shower, of course, that's my father-in-law, uh, and they want to help out, we're going to do the wedding shower after church on Sunday, September the 9th. Give you lunch that day. We're going to give you a real five-course meal of sandwiches and chips. Woo! Amen. Uh, uh, we'll see. There may be other stuff as well, but uh, help us out with that if you would. That'll be downstairs. We're doing that downstairs. And uh, we've got the registration information listed there as well. Uh, we've got kids getting married, uh, two couples getting married in the next couple months. We've got a couple of babies born. I, I just love that kind of stuff because it means the church has got a future. Amen. So you keep that in mind if you would. Uh, and then, of course, we're continuing to collect quarters for Operation Christmas Child with our goal of filling 200 shoeboxes. I had someone ask me last week if you could still bring things in if you didn't get your stuff in in July. And the answer to that is absolutely. And then in just a couple more weeks, we will have out a few couple months, I should say. We'll have out the shoeboxes if you want to do one for yourself uh, to send all over the country as part of our Operation Christmas Child. And a goal, again, we've got a goal of sending out two 200 boxes uh, from SAGBC. And then I'll say a, a big thank you to the ladies who went with us on the uh, Women's Mountain Retreat. A big thank you to uh, Brother uh, Upchurch.
Church for driving, Sister Up Church for organizing all of it. Um, and then uh, Kyla has already asked us to announce that she has set the dates for next year uh, for on August 22nd, 23rd, and 24th with a theme of He'll Do It Again. Uh, and I have to just share this with you. This will put a smile on your face just before the kids go out. Uh, um, uh, Robin, who is, of course, uh, uh, sings with him. We all know Miss Robin. She had to rush out yesterday unexpectedly uh, because her mother collapsed, uh, and uh, she's in the hospital doing okay. They think she's going to recover fine. So we ended up having to drive, or got to. We didn't have to. We got to drive Kyla and Bob home, help them inside their house. Well, Renee's riding with Kyla, and I'm riding with Bob, and I'm asking all kinds of questions, and Renee's asking all kinds of questions, and get them into the little house and get them situated. We're driving down the ha- uh, back down the house last night. I got home about 1130. Renee and I are exchanging stories from Kyla and Bob. She said, Greg, let me tell you what Kyla said. And then I said, I'm not going to do everything. Don't worry. And she's like, Greg, don't say that. Don't say that. But um, uh, when they first met, went on their first date, uh, Kyla, he's taking her to the door. And, and she says, well, aren't you going to kiss me goodnight? So he gives her a little kiss. And Kyla Tornay, that was the weakest, limpest kiss I ever had in my life. I thought, she said, Lord, if this is the man you got for me, we're going to have to do better than this. <laughs> so they went on a second date and gave her a little kiss, and it wasn't much better. And then she said on the third kiss, oh, my. She said, now we're ready. Amen. <laughs> oh, I love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much, ladies, for going. We appreciate it. Hope you had a good time. I got excited, loved it, loved it. I always tell folks, uh, uh, if, you, if you go to a place like that and you don't get excited, you got some wet wood. Amen. All right, so let me get all the little ones to come on down, if you would, please. If you're heading to Children's Church and Junior Church, you come down. We're going to collect pennies and change that you might have if you're visiting with us. We welcome you out this morning. You are so welcome here. We call this our Penny March. They're going to come around and collect any loose change you have to support our children's programming here at the church. Take off, young folks.
Just a reminder also that Awanas begins in just Wednesday week on September the 5th, and we're looking forward to that starting up again as well. And then right after that, on that Sunday, we'll have Moving Up Sunday uh, for our Sunday School Junior Church and Children's Church. Fellas, make your way down this morning if you would. Let's worship the Lord with tithes and offerings. Miss Marsha and your crew that's singing with you, you all come get ready to sing this morning. Brother Roar, would you come make your way up? I want you to uh, open us uh, and pray over the offering today. We love you, brother, and appreciate you being here. I want you to just ask God's blessings upon the offering and upon our services to come as well. Preacher, you pray for us if you would, please. Come on up here, buddy. Father God, we come to you again today. Thankful, thankful hearts. God, for all the things that you do for us each and every day. God, we thank you for this church and what it stands for. And we thank you for Brother Greg. God, we just uh, pray over the offering today and tithes. God, that, uh, uh, that we could give and you would receive. And Lord, we do thank you for all that you've done for us. You know, sometimes we look in our pocket, there's not much there. But you can take a little. You can take a little and make a lot out of it. And we thank you for that. So many times we say, well, we can't do this. With you, God, all things are possible. And we just thank you for your love. We thank you for every blessing. Yes, sir. And I thank you for this church. Amen. Yes, sir. Thank you for what Brother Greg means to me. And for all that he's done. And all that he's doing. For every, every time the church doors is open. God, we, we thank you. But most of all, we thank you for that blood. We thank you for that blood that was freely given. We didn't have to pay a thing for it. Lord, if, if I'd have had to pay for my salvation, if it would have just took a dime, I couldn't have paid for it. But God, you give it to me freely. All I had to do is ask. And while I'm at it, if it's, if it's one person, if there's one person in this room, if you would just reach inside, Lord, squeeze that heart, and just help them to realize how special you are. Because I thank you. For that day that you got a hold of my heart. Amen. For what you've done in my life. And what, you, what you're still going to do. You know, sometimes we feel like it, we're washed up. We're washed out. But God, you have a, you have a dryer. You have a dryer. And you dry us out. And you start us all over again. But God, we thank you for that love that you have for us that nobody can take away. I just, th I just want to say thank you, Lord. And as, as these men go down the aisles, and as, uh, as you put the money in the bucket, 
just as you did for the children. Do it with an open heart. Be willing to give. Sometimes we say, well, we can't afford it. You cannot afford not to give to God. You cannot afford not to give. But we love you. Thank you for Brother Greg. And I thank you for what this church means to me. And for all the times that I've walked through those doors back there and felt at home. Thank you, Jesus. And it's all in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen, amen.
all stand together one more time page 143 blessed assurance we'll do the first verse and course have a time of fellowship page 143 blessed assurance jesus is mine oh what a
All right, Genesis chapter 26 this morning. Genesis. In your word of God, Genesis chapter 26. I know, I know you're still shaking. And I, but I just tell my wife, if she don't stop playing, y'all going to be fellowshipping until the 6 o'clock service. I just know y'all. Genesis chapter 26. I like it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Genesis chapter 26, please. We're going to begin reading in verse number 12, and we will read down through verse number 25. Again, Genesis chapter 26, verse number 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks, possession of herds, great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father... The Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham and he called their names after the names by which his father had called them Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. The herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Isaac, because they strove with him. They digged another well, and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. He removed from thence and digged another well. For they that strove not, and for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us. We shall be fruitful in the land. He went up from thence to Beersheba. The Lord appeared. And to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee. They, and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he builded an altar there. And called upon the name of the Lord. And pitched his tent there. There Isaac's servants digged a well. Father, thank you for your presence this morning. Lord, how I love that song that the trio sang. 
Lord, how I love even more the importance of it. He is here. Hallelujah. He is here. Amen. He is here. Holy, holy, I will bless his name again. Lord, I don't know why you choose to show up here at Stanley Town's Amazing Grace Baptist Church, but I sure am glad you do. God, I don't take for granted your presence here. Lord, now we come to the hour that is so critical. Lord, I know I say it all the time, but it's not because I'm the one doing it, but because you ordained preaching as the instrument through which you would convict hearts and show them their need of salvation. So, Lord, as the preacher already said this morning, if there's a lost soul here, I, I pray that this would be the day and this would be the hour that the Spirit of God would convict them. Lord, for the rest of us that are saved, I'm asking you to use the message that I believe you've laid upon our hearts. Lord, to help us in this modern day that we live in to be busy about digging wells for another generation. Lord, to be busy about unstopping wells that our forefathers spiritually left behind and digging new wells for a generation that is yet to come. Bless now the preaching. We'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. A elderly man had gone to see a doctor, his doctor for his six-month visit. The previous visit, the Elderly man had complained about a broken toe that he had received for during the middle of the night He got up to use the bathroom and stumped his toe on the bed frame and ended up breaking his toe So the doctor concerned about him said uh, Mr. Smith are you still getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and are you being careful? Mr. Smith said oh yes doctor I am but the Lord's taking care of it The doctor said well that's wonderful what has the Lord done for you he said well now when I get up to go to the bathroom, uh, the Lord automatically turns on a light. Uh, and when I'm done, the Lord turns off the light. The doctor looked at him and said, I'm sorry. Say that again. He said, absolutely, doc. It's the craziest thing I've ever thought uh, would ever happen. I get up to go to the bathroom. The light comes on. I finish my business. The light goes off. The doctor said, well, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Later that evening, concerned that perhaps some senility had set in, he called Mrs. Smith. The doctor said, Mrs. Smith, I don't mean to concern you, but I need to tell you what your husband has said. And she said, all right. He said, he, said he gets up during the night to go to the bathroom. And she said, yep, that's correct. And he said, and, uh, and, and then he claims that when he gets up to go to the bathroom, uh, that a light miraculously appears. And when he's done, the light miraculously goes off. And Mrs. Smith said, Doctor, that's correct. And now you know why I have to clean out the refrigerator every morning. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, Mary Hart doeth good like medicine. There's a wonderful wonder. <laughs> we ought to move on now, shouldn't we, preacher? We can relate to that on too many levels. <laughs> There's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful old hymn that simply says, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up. 
my home beyond the blue. The angels beckoned me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Scripture tells us that we are pilgrims and strangers in this world. There is no greater, I think, example of that than this man, Isaac. Typically, when we talk about the patriarchs of the Old Testament, we refer to them as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But candidly, if I may this morning, Isaac really is in the shadows of his father Abraham. And in the shadows of his son Jacob, uh, whose name of course would later be changed to Israel. If you just thumb thumb through the pages of Genesis, uh, you will find that 14 chapters of the book are dedicated to uh, to, to Abraham. 12 chapters of the book uh, are dedicated to Jacob. But there's just a few verses really, a couple of chapters uh, that are dedicated to Isaac. Why? I say again, Isaac is a quintessential example of a pilgrim, a stranger in a strange land. What do we know about him? We know in the chapter that we just read, chapter 26 in the first few verses, and we know from Hebrews chapter 11 that he was a man of great faith. We know in verses 6 through 11 of chapter 26 uh, that he was far from perfect like most of us. Uh, He had issues. uh, He had challenges. uh, He had troubles. uh, He had problems. uh, And in fact, uh, it's very ironic uh, that he's guilty of committing many of the very same sins that his father Abraham committed. But beyond all of that, Abraham, Jacob, but especially Isaac was a pilgrim. Even in just the verses we just read in chapter 26, uh, Isaac is moving from place to place to place, uh, never settled, uh, never stable. Uh, You see, he understood uh, that his citizenship was not where he resided or pitched his tent. If you were to flip over this morning to 1 Peter, you would very quickly be reminded of the fact uh, that like Isaac, we too are pilgrims and strangers in a strange land. Don't misunderstand me. You probably have a home for which you are very grateful. Maybe it's a small little home. Maybe it's a great big mansion. Uh, But may I say to you uh, that if you're a child of God, wherever you live this morning is just a temporary dwelling place. Wherever you reside today is not your permanent home. It's just a temporary place where you have pitched a tent because, in fact, you have residence beyond the blue. You have residence in a brand new place. And once you get there, you will never have to relocate again. Meanwhile, while we're here, we are walking what I'm going to call this morning the pilgrim's life. We are traveling the life of pilgrimage. A life that is not, temp- not permanent, but rather is temporary in structure. And though for many of us uh, that sounds uh, nerve-wracking, for many of us uh, the idea of going from place to place to place is unsettling. Uh, may I say to you again this morning, this world is not our home. There are wonderful joys to living the life of a spiritual pilgrim. 
So with the help of the Lord, I want to give you three things today if I can that describes what I'm calling the blessings of the pilgrim life. The blessings of the pilgrim life. Number one, if you're a child of God, you understand that one of the greatest blessings of being the pilgrim that you are, living the pilgrim life, is that God provides incredible provisions for all of us. He blesses us with incredible provisions, and if we're candid, blesses us far greater than what we ever deserve. I want to challenge you to go back and look at your text this morning. Notice, if you would please, in verse number 1, chapter 26, the Bible says that there was a famine in the land. There was a famine in the land. Yet now jump down to verse number 12. The Bible says that Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. What a juxtaposition. What a contrast. How can there be a famine in the land, yet when Isaac plants a seed, his increase is 100% return on his investment. I don't know about you, but I like that kind of investing. Though there is a famine in the land, every time Isaac plants something, every time he puts a seed in the ground, he doesn't get one tomato out of that seed. He gets a hundred tomatoes every time he plants a seed. It seemed like perhaps those around may have thought that Isaac had the golden touch. Somehow, in the midst of the famine, Isaac had something that no one else had. Somehow in the midst of the circumstance, in the midst of the famine, Isaac had something that seemingly no one around him had. May I pause just a moment and say to you, that ought to describe every born-again child of God as well. Yes, we reside in a place where there's a spiritual famine. Yes, our country and our world are in spiritual decline. But may I say to you this morning, God is still the God of heaven and He's still good to His people. David said, I was young and now I'm old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed go begging for bread. You might not have the best car, but you got one to drive. You might not have the best house, but you got a place to lay your head. You might not be eating filet mignon every night but I guarantee you you got food enough to eat you got clothes enough to wear you got about everything that you need and you got a few things that you want God has been good to us church he's been good to us sometimes I think we get this idea that you got to be wearing a Rolls Royce and have $10,000 in your pocket uh, to be blessed to God. I ain't never had none of that, uh, but God is mighty good to me and my family. Notice, if you would, there was provisions galore, blessed a hundredfold. Not only do I want you to see the size of those provisions, but if you look at the end of the verse that we just read... Verse number 12, you also note the source of those provisions. While there may have been those that thought Isaac had the golden touch, Isaac recognized, according to verse number 12, that the Lord blessed him. Isaac was smart enough to realize that he wasn't doing anything to get all of this. It was his God. That was blessing him. May I submit to you this morning that Isaac was probably not a better farmer than any of the other farmers. 
Isaac probably did not know more about botany or horticulture or zoology than any of the other people around him. The only advantage that Isaac had, it wasn't that he knew more about the ground. He didn't know more about the crops. He didn't know more about the soil. He didn't know more about the dirt. The advantage that Isaac had was that he knew a mighty good God. May I say to you this morning, if you have been blessed, whether it's an education, whether it's finances, whether it's a job, whether it's a marriage, whether it's good kids, if you've been blessed this morning, then you owe it to God to thank Him for His blessings because you got what you got because God's been good to you. Amen. Every blessing that we have comes from a Heavenly Father. I'm not being unkind when I say this, but I always chuckle when I hear people talking about being a self-made man or pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. I get it. I understand. And to a large extent, I agree with it because I believe every farmer ought to pray for the crop with a hoe in his hand, with a rake in his hand. You don't ask God to bless and then sit down on the seat to do nothing and expect to reap the benefit. But may I say to you, there is no such thing as a self-made man. There is no such thing of you getting it because you work for it. The fact that you have... The fact that you have a job, uh, that you've got the energy to work the job, uh, that you've got sustained health to do the job, all comes from a loving Heavenly Father. God's good to us. And that's a blessing of the pilgrim life. In fact, let's get away from the job for just a second. Here's some of the blessings of the pilgrim life. If you're saved, you can never be lost. Yeah, man. We ought to stop right there and shout for about 20 minutes. Because if my salvation was dependent upon my ability to keep it, I'm in a whole lot of mess. But I ain't got to keep it. I didn't earn it. I didn't work for it. All I did is accept the free gift that he gave. And what he gives, he never takes back again. And if I can't get excited about that, maybe I can get excited about the God book I've got holding in my lap. Maybe I can get excited about the rule book, the planting book, the sewing book, the life book that you're holding in your lap. Yeah, we can go down to the dollar store and buy a hundred of them for a hundred bucks. You can whoop out your smartphone and download a copy of it for free. You could go onto the internet and access one for free. But may I say to you, I'm old-fashioned enough to believe that that is God's infallible, inspired, inerrant Word of God. And it is not to be taken lightly. And we are blessed that we got it. We got a Father that loves us. Who sustains us. Who gives us a guidebook on how to live a life. Hey, we've been blessed beyond compare. The rules, if you will, are right in front of us. Notice, if you would, not only is it a life of great provisions but this next part probably won't surprise you if you've been saved for any length of time because right along beside those great provisions come great problems great problems lord this is a two hanky morning amen (laughs) battles fought every day i get very angry i'm beyond the point of being frustrated now I just get mad when I listen to 
prosperity preachers talk about. And I'm not criticizing what anybody else does. I got all I can handle in my church. But it angers the snot out of me when I hear preachers talk about the fact that if you love God enough, you'll never have problems. That is so counterintuitive to what Scripture says. In fact, every time I read this, I find that real believers face real problems on a day-in and day-out basis. What kind of problems? According to verse number 14, problems with the Philistines. In our vernacular, we're going to put it like this, problems with the world. You understand that the Philistines represented the lost crowd. They represented the unsaved. They, they, they typify, if you would, uh, that crowd uh, that is always trying to pull us away from God and trying to stop the forward momentum of God. You understand, folks, if you don't get anything else, you get this. If God is trying to do something, uh, you mark it down. The enemy will do everything he can to try to stop it from happening. I don't care what element of your life God's trying to work in. If God is trying to do something for you, your family, your church, your home, your place of business. If God is trying to do something, then you mark her down. The enemy will do everything in his power to stop it from happening. In fact, I think, in fact, I think I got scripture to back it up. They were, they, the Philistines, were jealous of the hand of blessing that was upon Isaac. So they said, we're going to stop this mess. We're going to shut this kind of garbage down, uh, and it's not long uh, before they start doing intimidation tactics uh, and even personal attacks. Fast forward now, folks, some 4,000 years, and things ain't changed much. In fact, my Bible is very clear and pertinent on this, uh, that when God does something for you, don't be surprised and don't be upset when the world or when the enemy tries to stop it from happening. In fact, Peter even says when you face tribulation, rejoice because that means you're doing something right. When you face problems, when you face circumstances, when you face trials, get excited because that means that the enemy's got you in his laser and you're doing something right. What kind of problems did he face? Well, if you look carefully, you'll find that not only did he face problems with the world. This may be a bit strange to us at first, but he also faced problems with wells. Wells. In fact, you go in and you look at Scripture, you'll find that the primary thing that the Philistines did to try to stop the hand of blessing upon Isaac was to plug up the wells of his father. And I know in our 21st century society, when we can go to the water faucet and turn it on, uh, that this doesn't really resonate for us. So let me put it in a context that will make sense to you. In ancient uh, biblical times, uh, and specifically uh, in the time of a famine, uh, in the promised land in which uh, these folks live, which is mainly desert, uh, water for them was like oil for us. You could not live without it. You could not do your daily sustenance without it. It was income. It was money. It was livelihood. Water was so, so, so valuable that to fill or stop up a well was considered an act of war. Philistines hated Isaac so much that they literally declared war on him to shut down the hand of God upon his life. Drive him away. So what did he do? 
is where I want to park for a few minutes because this is what's really important as far as I'm concerned. Would you look with me at verse number 18? Can we read it one more time? Notice the first clause there. Abraham digged again the wells of water which they digged in the days of Abraham his father. But the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. Two things Isaac had to do. Number one, he had to clean out the old wells. Say that again. He had to clean out the old wells. You go back and you read the life of Abraham and you will find that everywhere that Abraham went, they had to dig wells. You understand why? Abraham wasn't just him and Sarah and their children. Uh, there were thousands of servants. There were livestock. There was a ginormous family. Uh, and so there were multitudes of wells that had to be dug. Again, wells are money. Wells are income. Wells are life. Uh, you got to have water to survive. Uh, and the Philistines, uh, as soon as Abraham died, the Philistines, the world decided, we're going to plug up uh, these wells. Uh, we're going to stop this mess from happening. Stop this junk from spreading. We're going to plug these wells for good. Isaac comes along. He becomes a father. He gets married. He has children. He has servants. and He has livestock. And God's blessing his family. And they have to go from place to place to place. Just like Daddy Abraham did. So Isaac's got a good head on his shoulders. You know what he does? He says, that we got we to clean out the wells that the Philistines have dirtied up. I need to pause here a second, folks. You and I have got a strong spiritual ancestry. Let me say that again. In this country, which was founded upon the principles of God Jehovah, I don't care what crazy historians try to tell you today, this was formed upon the principles of a Judaic Christian God. We can try to rewrite history all we want, but I challenge you to look at real history of America and not come to the same conclusion. There is a reason that our money says, in God we trust. There is a reason that we say the Pledge of Allegiance to one nation under God. This is a Judeo-Christian government society. The world has tried awfully hard to plug them wells. They've tried awfully hard to soil those wells, uh, to stop them up, uh, so much to the point uh, that people start questioning the Bible you hold in your lap. Uh, they start questioning the value uh, of organized religion. Uh, one of the most scary statistics I've read in a long time uh, came to me just a few weeks ago uh, when sitting at my desk, uh, I got an email that popped up uh, from a preacher friend of mine that said, you got to read this. Uh, and now upwards of 75% of millennials say uh, they find no value in church anymore. The wells are being stopped up, folks. Mamas and daddies, would you look at me? It ain't just a preacher's job to unstop them wells. In fact, uh, let's be real clear about this. We have the kids for maybe four hours a week. Uh, you got them 24 hours a day some days, uh, and certainly 16 hours a day in others. Uh, if you're not digging the wells and unstopping the wells at home, uh, there ain't a whole lot we can do for the little bit of time we got them. Uh, but thank God for the mamas and daddies uh, that have said, I'm not letting the government have my kids. Uh, I'm not letting society have my teens. Uh, I'm not letting pop, me in, uh, pop culture dictate how I'm raising my children. Children, I'm going to dig some wells out again and unclog those old wells. 
Church still matters, folks. Bible still matters. Integrity still matters. Decency still matters. Purity still matters. And stop the old wells. But he was also wise enough to realize that that wasn't all he had to do. See, we can't always live in just yesterday. We can't always feast on yesterday's blessings. Isaac wisely realized that while I'm unstopping the old wells, i got to dig a few new ones along this pathway as well. So he goes to Gerar. Digs a well. He goes to the next town. Each place they go, the Philistines drive him out. Goes to the next place. Digs a well. Drive him out again. He goes to Rehoboth. Digs a well. Eventually at Rehoboth, the Philistines leave him alone. And I believe Isaac hunkered down and started digging well after well after well after well. Why? Because Isaac's not only got a wife, Isaac's got children. Isaac's going to have grandchildren. In fact, get a hold of this. Isaac's grandchildren are going to be the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. You look at me. Isaac had reasons to dig wells. I don't want to be too unkind here, but I'm going to be blunt. If Isaac had never dug the wells, maybe, just maybe, there'd have never been a Jacob. And there'd have never been an Israel who got his name changed. And then maybe there's never the 12 tribes of Israel. The very fact that we have the biblical history that we have is because Isaac's a well digger. Isaac's not afraid to say, I got somebody coming along after me. I got to make sure there's some water there. You've heard me say, if you've been in this church for very long, you've heard me say this, but I mean it with every fiber of my being. There are far too many churches that were once busting at the seams, uh, doing incredible things, uh, and then there's a transition in leadership, and it all falls apart. God help me, I'm as sincere about this as I can be. I thank God for his blessings upon our church. But if something happens to me and I'm not in that pulpit, I hope the best days of SAGBC are in the future, not in the past. And while I'm here, I want to dig some wells because there's another generation that's coming along that needs to drink from that same spiritual water that we're drinking from today. Number one this morning. Number one, I want you to note with me. There's a life of great provisions. A life of great problems. My favorite part. When you dig some wells, you recognize that there's also a life of great privileges. There's a life of... Ruth said it like this. Little handfuls of purpose. God throws at his children. What happens? Go back to verse 23. He went up from thence to Beersheba. The Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am, I am, I am the God of Abraham. Here's one of the best things, 
One of the greatest privileges, one of the greatest things that happens is that the Lord appears to Isaac and renews his promises one more time. He said, Isaac, I'm paraphrasing, the things that I told to your daddy, the promises that I made to your father, I'm now giving them to you as well. You go back to Genesis chapter 12 and you will find that when the Lord commissioned Abraham, he says, I will number your seed as the sand of the seashore, as the stars in heaven. The world will not be able to contain the blessings that I'm about to do through your progeny, through your lineage, through your heritage. That was good for daddy. God says to Isaac, Isaac, you messed up. You blew it a time or two just like your daddy did. You walked away from me, Isaac. But I've never walked away from you. You really uh, disappointed me a couple of times, Isaac. But here's the good thing you need to know. You will never be disappointed in me. The blessings of your father I am giving to you. Blessings of God's word. Not only God's word. Here's my favorite part. Look at the rest of verse 25. Let's read the rest of 24. I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, I'm with thee. Will bless thee and multiply thy seed. For my servant Abraham's sake. He built an altar there. Called upon the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent there. Can I, can I paraphrase all that? Here's what that means. Isaac worshipped. Isaac worshipped God. Can I just be candid, church? This is why we need church. So I encourage you, don't, don't take church lightly. Don't, we don't, I don't want you to come to church out of some sense of duty or obligation. I don't want you to come here just because it's Sunday and you're in the habit of it. You're supposed to. I want you to come here because you're ready to get your worship on. Because you are ready to hold audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and open up the Word of God and be fed from that Word and be blessed by the music. You are ready to come here and experience the presence and the power and the praise of God. And if I can be blunt, just to get flat smack dab in the middle of worship. That's why we need church. God don't need us to have church. We need us to have church. I know like me, some of you have to miss occasionally for work. And if you're like me, you can tell it. I mean, if I have to miss a service, I can tell it. I'm not fun to be around. Don't say amen. Amen. I mean, I'm just telling you. If I can't come with church and worship, it affects the rest of my week. Notice the last clause. We're done. Not only did he hear God's words and experience God's worship. Look at the last clause. There Isaac's servants digged a well. There's the privilege of God's word. Privilege of God's worship. This is, by the way, the final one that we know of that was dug. Once again, they got to experience God's water. God's water. You know this already. Water in Scripture, especially moving water, 
It's a type or a symbol for the presence, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And I can just imagine as Isaac by himself. I'm done. You can close your Bibles. I want you to just look up here. I'm done with this. As Isaac, having dug at place after place after place after place, as he dug all these wells and unstopped the old wells and finally comes to Rehoboth and they've got a place to pitch their tent. They've got a place to hunker down. They've got a place to live, a place to reside and, and get down to life. Isaac goes to Sheba. Scripture says that he builds an altar. God speaks to him. Because God spoke to him there, he worshipped. Now I'm reading between the lines, but I think I'm right. He calls his family and says, y'all need to come up here with me. Y'all need to be here where I am. Why? Because I met God there. Because <laughs> God spoke to me there. And then he commands his servants, dig a well there. Because when we get thirsty, that's where we're going to go drink. When we, when we need to get our worship on, that's where we're going to go worship. I, again, I'm probably extrapolating too much, but I think I'm right. That is a beautiful picture of what happens when we go to the house of God. When we get our family together, we get our church clothes on, we put our Bible in our hand, and we strum out the door and say, we're going to go get our worship on because God spoke to us there. God met us there. The power and the presence of God is there. And like Joshua of old, y'all can do what you want to do. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Because the water's flowing freely. Let's stand to our feet this morning. It's about an eyes closed, if you would, this morning. Nobody's looking. Appreciate your kind attention as we open the Word of God together this morning. But now we come to such an important time where I challenge you to examine your own heart, your own life, your own situation, your own circumstance, and answer this simple question. How am I digging wells? Do I, do I need to be a little bit better well digger for my family? If that's you this morning, I encourage you. Folks have already moved. Why don't you step out? Maybe there's somebody in your heart that you're thinking of right now. Maybe, just maybe, there's somebody in your heart that you're thinking of that has never drunk that well. You need to do, you need to, Dig a well for them. But I want to ask you one more question now with heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody's looking. Is there anybody here this morning that would just be honest? Say, Pastor Greg, I'm not even a child of God. I'm not a Christian. Pray for me this morning. Pray for me that I'll be saved. Anyone like that? I can pray for, I'm not going to bear you. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for your presence this morning. Lord, I pray your blessings upon the invitation. May it be what you'd have it to be. In Christ's name. Brother Ken, sing for us.
two things before we're dismissed. Number one, Brother and Sister Coffee had to race out. Uh, Eric has, their son Eric's been taken to the emergency room. Don't know any details yet. We'll keep you posted. Please pray for Eric. And then uh, Pastor and Mrs. Rohr have come down this morning to unite with our church. Amen. <clears throat> I don't need to tell you how much we love this couple. How much they mean to us. It only took me four years to quit calling her Miss Grindstaff. I finally now can call her Miss Roar. Uh, in fact, 90% of the time I just call her Miss Annette because I'm going to say it wrong if I do it otherwise. Uh, but he blessed my heart and said, Preacher, would y'all have us here? I love this couple, love this family. We'll do this the right way. Somebody make a motion. All in favor, if you'll say aye. aye. I want you to come around and shake hands with this precious couple and let them know how glad we are to welcome them to our church. Brother Ken dismisses in prayer. Four o'clock practice today just for speaking parks, six o'clock for service. Brother Ken. Heavenly Father, God, we are thankful, Lord, for just the opportunity to be here again today. And Father, we do want to thank you and praise you for Jesus today, Lord, and the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross to cleanse us from our sins. Father, thank you for speaking through our pastor to our hearts today. Lord, we pray, God, you continue to use them. Father, use this place here. Father, help us all, Lord, to dig wells, Lord, that others may be able to drink from. And Father, I do thank you, Lord, for this couple that's come join with us. Father, thank you, Lord, just for using them and days gone by. Thank you for the stand this former pastor has taken, Lord, and Father, his love for you. God, may we be a blessing to him and them to us. God, we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen.